Good morning, everybody. I'm Eureka John, and you're at Eureka Street Crypto, broadcasting from Leander, Texas. It is February 3rd, 2022, and it is, it's 10.14 in the morning. I've already done this this morning. I'm around 7.30, and uh, I did this, the same episode I'm trying to do yesterday, and the audio cut out halfway. Today, kids barged in and, uh, you know, because everybody's home today, um, Texas, or at least Austin, is frozen over. So school's out. I wasn't able to drive into work today, so I'm kind of working from home and, you know, doing what I do. Um, and a lot of things are closed. Um, so, yeah, this is my crypto morning video blog. Um, I try to do this. Yeah, I don't do it every day anymore, um, but I try to do it as often as possible. I've been doing this since October 24th, 2020. And, um, uh, yeah, I just it's my brain dump, man. It's basically all it is. It's just me documenting, documenting my journey through this crypto space, and there's a lot to talk about all the time and, and i've made some some really good calls i've made some terrible calls uh, i've i've explored some really cool um, protocols and concepts and some total terrible crap coins and stuff like that i've had people interviewed on here uh, i've talked about all types of stuff man this has been really fun one of the best things i've learned a lot about audio visual production as well um so Anyway, let's take a look at the market here. Um, Bitcoin seems to be following Austin weather. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Or Austin weather is following Bitcoin. I don't know. Um, but um, the past couple of weeks, Bitcoin has been not in a really good place or the crypto market in general. So I'll just say not Bitcoin, but the crypto market has not been in a good place. And a lot of people are freaking out. A lot of people are getting leveraged, uh, leveraged people getting liquidated and stuff like that. Then we had like two good days, you know, over the weekend and stuff, and uh, it was sun shining and beautiful. And same thing with the crypto market, yeah. And then, um, it, yeah, um, and uh, let's see. Yesterday started out pretty good, and then right around in the afternoon, um, things started to tank again, and Bitcoin dropped from, I believe. 39,000 or 38 high 38s down to low 36. So it dropped like three or four thousand dollars just right there, just immediately, just, just straight down. And then now it's kind of just settling there for a little bit. Um, but so did the weather yesterday, right around in the afternoon, early evening. It just went terrible and things started icing over and raining and stuff like that. So I don't know, man. I don't know which one's following which the Austin weather or the, or, or the cryptocurrency market. You ask me um, anyway. Uh, so, yeah, let's look at Bitcoin now. Um, there's really not a whole lot <laughs> green right now. Um, you know, Tezos is green. Uh, let's see. Um, <laughs> <laughs> quant the quant always kind of runs contrary to the market it's kind of been a little bit of a hedge for me um anyway whatever i stick to my big mains bitcoin ethereum uh theta and Chainlink, and then i have you know a bunch of little small stashes and a bunch of other projects but anyway that's what, that's what i'm here to talk about i guess you know cryptocurrency has its has its risks it has its scams it has its shady elements you know and i acknowledge that i I tend to always, you know, look at you know, the amazing Web 3.0 revolution and paradigm shift that's happening right now. And I have rose colored glasses and a little bit of a Pollyanna attitude towards everything happening right now without acknowledging properly a lot of the risks and a lot of the scuzzy, shady, uh, just slimy elements that are in this in this space. And there are. Um, and, you know, decentralization is great. Um, however, it can slow things down quite a bit. You know? um, so you sacrifice speed for security. 
And uh, also, there are a lot of anons, anonymous people um, in the crypto space and, and in the crypto Twitter. You know, they hide behind profile pics. They go by names such as Zero X or whatever, uh, uh, just crazy names. You know, uh, Larry Two Five Four. You know, and you don't know who these people are. And then you join DAOs in the crypto space, decentralized autonomous organizations, and a lot of those are in Discord. And you get to know these people, and you have community calls and working groups, and you build products and projects together. Uh, you build podcast. I've built podcasts together with completely anonymous people. <clears throat> I don't know their name. I don't know what they look like. I don't know where they live. I don't know who they are or whatever. And over time, you kind of, through daily conversations and these DAOs, pick up little things about bits and pieces of people or they might just straight up end up just telling you privately, you know, you know, who they are, what they do, you know, little personal things in their life and you get into conversations with it. And that's just, you know, part of being human. Um, <clears throat> there's the whole idea of decentralized IDs and reputation systems trying to be developed right now to be able to do uncollateralized loans with um, anonymous Twitter and crypto Twitter I and um, uh, MetaMask wallets and stuff like that. Um, but so it's kind of like a catch 22. It's a really amazing thing to be anonymous and to be able to work without people knowing who you are. Maybe you're super famous and wealthy, you know, and people don't act the same around you if they wouldn't act the same around you, if they knew who you were, you know, or if they knew you were extremely rich or whatever. Uh, or maybe you're, you're um, somebody that, that's like, you know, just starting out or just an amateur at something or or don't have any type of reputation or whatsoever or poor or just, you know, some nobody. And you get to, to join a DAO and get to be able to to hang around a lot of these people who have a very, a lot of experience. For instance, I've gotten to, to jump in DAOs and uh, learn from people in the audiovisual, in the, the movie, in the film industry and stuff like that. A lot of their tricks of their trade um, without knowing really who they are, they don't know who I am, but they're willing to skill that share their skills because it, it helps web three and the crypto space develop. And, um, I get to learn from people like that who normally would never have given me the time of day. And that is another amazing thing about being anonymous in the crypto space. Now I'm not really anonymous. I mean, of course, I mean, Eureka John, you see my face, uh, you know, I dox myself where I live in Austin, Texas and stuff like that. But, um, <clears throat> I don't really, you, you don't know. I mean, anybody can always find something on somebody, you know, I, I don't really care that much, but other people do and it's fine. But what happens whenever you jump into a DAO and you get involved in a project and you build something, you build a decentralized finance protocol and infrastructure um, that starts to draw in a lot of money and a lot of people wanting to participate in that. And uh, what if there ends up being several hundred million, maybe even a billion dollars locked up into that protocol? And what if you don't aren't just co-found, but you found three different protocols like that with somebody, right? And this other person is totally anonymous and you are working and sometimes you might stay up late at night on a discord open working channel, you know, with sharing your screens together, just talking and coding and, you know, working out processes and workflows and talking about life and laughing together, maybe having a few beers or whatever, if you drink, you know, and just like spending time working together with that person, you know, it's just like somebody at work, you know, you, you don't really have anything in common with that person at work, but you end up, they becoming your work buddy, you know, like, and you like them. Um, so what happens if that person turns out to be a, a longtime criminal, 
a multiple felon, um, you know, a money launderer, somebody who has been in the space for a long time and, and been to prison and then also has partnered up in the past with people who have gotten into some really dark stuff, you know, and then what if you discover that? And then what if you have hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars of other people's money on the line. And if they find out that you're partnered up with this other person, uh, you're in serious trouble, you know? Uh, and so what do you do? How do you break the news? Is this something that you just want to announce or is it something you want to keep under wraps? Um, has that person changed? I mean, you've had a lot of conversations and stayed up with them at night and worked on these projects. You, you know, the person's work ethic and you laugh with them and you, you know, and you, you toil with them to build these projects and they seem like a good person. You know, and you don't know or even care what they've done in the past. You don't want to know that it somehow comes out. And what do you do in that situation? <laughs> you know, you've spent months working with this person, then it comes out and you find out somehow that they are this other uh, previous villain. And you're like, no, dude, like this guy? No. Oh, man, really? Oh, shoot. So you 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 think about it and you keep on, you know, it's in the back of your mind, but you keep on working on this project with this person trying to figure out how to approach this. So this is what this episode, I guess, now after being in it for 10 minutes is about. Um, it just so happens there's a spell token. So let's look at the price of the spell token. The spell token is one of these ohm forks and ohm is DeFi 2.0, the whole idea of protocol owned liquidity. It's an amazing idea. Uh, but there's been a lot of forks and stuff that are promising things like 82,000 APY of interest and stuff like that, which is unsustainable. Um, uh, not immutable X. How did I get immutable X up on here? So the spell token, there's, um, there's three protocols owned by, well, co-founded, not owned because they were all, they're all part of DAOs. And, and, uh, but the main central actor that has built these three protocols is, um, Danielle Sesta, Danny Sesta, and uh, and <clears throat> um, he has built Abracadabra.money, which is the spell token, Wonderland.finance, which is the time token, and um, Popsicle Finance, which is the ice token. Now, they've all three followed along pretty much the same pattern, but they are all three kind of in the dirt right now because a lot of people started selling off their own tokens. They made the money. And, uh, you know, they, they left the protocol and the, the DeFi 2.0, the protocol on liquidity and everything like that um, didn't quite work, I guess, the way that they thought it would. Um, I could make an entire other episode about Ohm um, and uh, why that that is um, dipping out right now. Um, I think in the end run, Olympus and the Ohm token will be OK. Um, but, uh, you know, this is been the start and the experiment of protocol on liquidity protocol on liquidity is an amazing idea to help rug pulls but people are getting rug pulled on it anyway um to but uh, the idea of de protocol on liquidity is a great idea idea and i do see that idea uh being developed more but in the interim there has been a lot of these forks uh, which is basically a derivative of something original uh, with slight tweaks and nuances um, of other projects that have come from the Ohm forks. And so um, abracadabra.money is one, which is the spell token. The um, uh, wonderland.finance is another one. All right. So 
Um, Danielle Sesta, um, he started Abracadabra.money uh, and Wonderland.money right here. I'll show you Wonderland.money. The DeFi Wonderland, financial tools to grow your wealth, stake and earn compounding interest and all that. And the current APY, as you can see there, is 81,941.6%. It's a little unsustainable, you know? Um, but... People were buying into it, hook, line, and sinker. It's on the Avalanche blockchain, um, and it, it kind of uses what they call a Ponzi game, not a Ponzi scheme, because everything is on the blockchain, you know? So everything is transparent. Um, you can see what's going on. Everybody should be aware and know that, you know, there is a little bit of a Ponzi element in which they do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um <laughs> When, when interviewed, Danny Sesta was asked, you know, so this is basically all Ponzi, right? And he's like, and he was joking. He's like, well, yeah, I guess, you know, but uh, when there's a lot of money at stake and all this drama ensues, it's not as funny anymore. Um, so anyway, DeFi Wonderland, and I have put money into DeFi Wonderland, uh, Wonderland.money and Abracadabra.money, you know, and uh I started seeing it go down and go down and go down and continue to go down. And it's it's not enough. I mean, I'm just learning the levers and pulleys of this stuff. And it's not enough to really make me cry, but it's not to make me kind of wince, you know. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll just tell you in advance that I'm going to go ahead and keep my money in these protocols and see what's happening. And I'll tell you why here in a second. And it'd be kind of a Hail Mary for me. Uh, it, it, it's because all this stuff is super interesting to me. I'm super interested in like Ponzi schemes and stuff like that. Not that I want to participate in them, but um, it's it's just fascinating to me, like how um, people buy into them, why they buy into them, how they work, different ways that they work, using technology to make super complex ones and make them harder and harder to detect. Um, so it's it's just super uh, interesting to me, and it's kind of a game for me. So um, so keep that in mind as I talk about this stuff. Like I have a special fascination towards this stuff. I'm not recommending that anybody else jump into this stuff. All right. So anyway, um, so there's this article. There's there's several articles written right right here. So what happens is that this co-founder Danielle Sesta he founded those these three protocols, but. Uh, it turns out that his co-founder, Zero X Sifu, and Sifu in Mandarin, I believe. Um, but if you watch any Chinese kung fu flicks, you'll you'll hear the name Sifu. You know, ah, yeah, Sifu. You know, Sifu means uh, teacher or master or sensei. You know, okay. So Zero X Sifu turns out to be a, a major felon, uh, previous felon. Um, a convicted felon, and he was the also the, the previously the co-founder of Quadriga Exchange, the the ex largest exchange in Canada, and uh, and he was previously a co-founders with Gerald Cotton, who died uh, supposedly of Crohn's disease, but uh, um, it was the largest ex is one of the largest exit scams in cryptocurrency. And uh, the, the Quadriga Exchange fell. Uh, there's been documentaries um, made about it. It's, it's, it's an extremely fascinating story. If you love crime and you love um, Ponzi schemes and you love all that type of stuff and documentaries about it, you're going to love this. There's an entire podcast series called Exit Scam. And it's exitscam.show is the website. And it's a six-part series. It's really, um, I, I need to listen to this one. I haven't listened to this one yet, but I've seen some other documentaries online. Um, and, uh, yeah, so this is a, I believe a six part series. Uh, um, yeah, uh, seven, 
eight, eight part series. Uh, so I'm going to listen to this. It's a podcast series and it's all about, uh, uh, Daniel Sesta and not Daniel Sesta, um, uh, uh, Michael Patron, which is zero X Sifu and, uh, Gerald Cotton and the whole Quadriga exchange. And, uh, you know, Michael Patron and Gerald Cotton had a falling out several months before all this stuff caved in. Um, Michael Patron wanted to take the Quadriga exchange public. Uh, Gerald Cotton had other things in mind and he was doing some crazy stuff. He was running this entire exchange basically through his laptop and he was really the only one doing anything. So I could imagine him at night sitting there doing private trades back and forth. And he ended up forming all these other identities to buy the cryptocurrency off of unwitting people that would um, uh, go to the exchange and um, he would give them the quadriga bucks, you know, because each exchange generally has their own little you know, cryptocurrency token. And uh, so he kept on printing all these quadriga bucks and was buying all this Bitcoin and Ethereum and all these other tokens off these people. And he was trading anonymously uh, as another identity against his customers. And, uh, you know, I believe Michael Patron um, might have seen some of this stuff start to happening. He wanted to go public um, and uh, Gerald Cotton didn't. They ended up arguing, having a falling out. And then several months later, uh, Quadriga Exchange basically falls. Gerald Cotton took off to India and supposedly he died of Crohn's disease, but they've never been able to produce a body. Um, and it was really mysterious circumstances. He had just gotten married and transferred a bunch of stuff and assets to his wife. When they did end up uh, figuring out the, the wallets of all the funds held on the exchange, they were completely emptied and they had been emptied six months before, um, after the falling out between Patron and Cotton. But uh, that those wallets were completely emptied. Everything just stinks of some kind of setup, fake death scam. And it's crazy. It's an amazing story. So anyway, I would go check that out. But yeah, so Michael Patron was partnered with Gerald Cotton in this whole Quadriga exchange debacle. Um, and then it turns out now that my and Michael Patron previously had been involved in a lot of things with uh, Liberty Reserve and uh, several other digital cash to tokens. So it wasn't his first rodeo with this whole digital currency space. He'd been doing this type of stuff even well before Bitcoin and uh, learning the ins and outs of all these type of Ponzi nomics. And you know, Liberty Reserve was kind of a uh, a tether before tether, a stable coin before a stable coin. And it was a way for, you know, a lot of criminals and drug dealers and international smugglers and money launderers and stuff like that to be able to um, transact outside of the currency system and then bring it back into the currency system. So that's what Liberty Reserve is. And, that, and that's a whole other fascinating topic in itself. Uh, <clears throat> but um, yeah, it was based in Costa Rica. <laughs> All right. Pura vida, my. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, so that's so. Yeah, Michael Patron had has had a long history of all this type of stuff. Okay, so now back to Wonderland Money and Daniel Sesta. So Daniel Sesta and Michael Patron, who he didn't know it was, Michael Patron was zero x Sifu, um, had partnered up and they had formed Wonderland Money. Okay, and 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 uh, it turns out that. Zero X Sifu's identity was found out 
Okay, so let me go to this article here. This article here is very uh, negative towards Danny Sesta. All right, so keep that in mind. And then there's been some other articles that have been positive towards Danny Sesta. Um, I don't think that Danny Sesta is a bad dude. I think he's kind of a bro bra. He's a dude's dude. He's you know he's he's what he is what he is. But uh, um, I think he's just kind of like you know found out that this guy's identity and he's kind of got this whole like bro code. Doesn't really know what to do about it. Um, but he's a smart dude and he's been working with him. But that's me and that's my opinion and like that's just like my opinion, man. So anyway, here's the extraordinary rise and fall of of um, uh, Wonderland and Danny Sesta. I don't think it's quite, that's a little dramatic title and the extraordinary rise and fall of Wonderland and Danny Sesta. Anyway, the extraordinary rise, Danny Sesta named Danielle Sestagali is the founder and spokesperson of the former Olympus Dow Fork Wonderland time. I began in the blockchain industry for a long time. He has expressed in several interviews when he, when he started in Bitcoin already in 2011. Um, so, uh, let's see, he talked about his failed project, Zulu Republic, as an ecosystem of digital platforms built on the Ethereum platform. Okay, there, all right. So, there's his, uh, I guess, LinkedIn identity. Um, so, uh, the, the image of a crypto wizard, Danny Sesta positioned himself as a spokesperson and founder of not one, but three different blockchains, Wonderland, Popsicle Finance, and Abracadabra. This is the first major red flag. So, they're saying, you know, they give the whole instance of, you know, running one bakery is hard enough, running three is nearly impossible to be fully engaged in it. So, that's kind of a red flag. Um, and then he, here's a meme that shows, here's my master plan. And he's got, you know, involvement in Sushi Swap, Wonderland, Popsicle, and Abracadabra. And it kind of just makes him look dumb. Um, so let's take a closer look at so, uh, some of his projects. Wonderland Time. All right, the time token. We'll let the project speak for itself. Each unit of time, which is the token, is backed by different reserve ass assets like magic internet money and liquidity tokens. This mechanism, which was copied from Ohm, ensures that time has an intrinsic value that it cannot fall below. Two things to focus on here. Magic internet money. There's no such thing as magic. Never was, never will be. All right, that's what the, the article writer says. Time has an intrinsic value that it cannot fall below. This is theoretically true, but not in a good way. The threshold intrinsic value of an asset from which it cannot fall in further is actually zero so yes time cannot fall below zero however things were uh, were good while things were good they were really good and that's true and i pretty much got in at the top you know i'm total dumbass you know whatever it is what it is i was excited about web uh, DeFi 2.0 and the whole idea of protocol owned liquidity i was excited about the tech and i was like how could this you know like Somebody discovered a new way to uh, to do DeFi with protocol-owned liquidity, and I got super excited about it, and so did tons of people. That's why you saw all these ohm forks jump out, you know, and there's buzzwords, and where there's tons of buzzwords, there's going to be tons of scammers, because scammers will use those buzzwords to be able to uh, um, lure in a lot of the people who are um, just excited about a new technology because of buzzwords. <laughs> you know, so it's like this little loop. Anyway, so time rose from $570 in September 2021 to an astonishing 9,600 just two months later. At its peak, time's daily volume was over $1,100 uh, $1, million. So yeah, that's a lot. 
Um, so and then there's popsicle finance. I didn't jump into that, uh, but it follows kind of the same pattern. And then here's abracadabra spell also follows the same pattern. So uh, abracadabra's money dot money is the spell book that allows users to produce magic internet money. You know, it's just it's just fun. You know, a lot of this DeFi stuff is fun, and that's why I got into it. Uh, the graphics are fun. The language is fun. I mean, magic internet money in a spell book. I mean, think about it, you know, and you know, that's why a lot of these people are in all these protocols because it's a fun way to do finance and community and to make some money and stuff like that. And it does make a lot of people money, but a lot of people get completely wrecked. And you have to keep that in mind when you're doing this stuff, you know. Um, and that's why I don't recommend this stuff to normal people. Um, so anyway. So the spell token starting from 0.00065 in August 2021, the price of spell went to 0.033 in November. And that's a huge jump. Look at that chart. This is a clear pattern here. All the projects were started around the same time and all the projects had their all time high in the same month. This is a second red flag. If a newly started crypto project is progressing so well, why would you start another two projects around the same time? Isn't there enough work already? Okay, then they talk about the Frog Nation. The Frog Nation are you know, kind of like the Link Marines, the the Wall Street bet uh, apes and Dgens. Yeah, you know, that's that's all the people that are into these projects. You may have heard that Daniel Sesta is also a leader of the Frog Nation. In essence, Daniel used his public image and the short term gains from his projects to organize a large audience similar to the likes of Reddit's Wall Street bets, known for last year's pumping of meme stocks and referring to themselves as retards and apes. Um, so, anyway. Yeah, so they're just a bunch of freaking DGENs, you know, kids and dudes like me and stuff like that who are having fun with all this stuff and not taking everything so seriously. But anyway, not everybody is in it uh, for just the fun part of it. Um, so, and anyway, the the, the uh, uh, Wonderland.money was meant, um, according to Daniel Sesta, when he was talking about it, it's built on the block Avalanche blockchain, which is really fast and... and uh, um, he wanted to create an in-game currency built on a blockchain. That's really what his end goal for all this stuff was. Um, it wasn't necessarily to run some kind of uh, scheme like this and keep a high APY. He wanted to, to use the high APY to build it up, to be able to create an in-game currency to be used widely enough to be able to, um, to accommodate for the high APY at the beginning. I think that was what his whole uh, long-term plan was for this stuff. Um, and there's an interview with him uh, at some point sitting here um, talking about this. Uh, so um, here's the first public public red flag. So uh, let's take a quick look at this video here and let, let's, let's, take, let's listen to him talk about it for a second. All right, so let me just where fast forward. Does this API come from? He said, where the F does this APY come from? hear a little bit more about Wonderland. Obviously, it's Olympus Fork from the, from the beginning, but um, what is your thoughts? What's your vision of, of Wonderland in the future? You and I have spoken about a few different things, but I'm curious, you know, how do you see the future of Wonderland on, on Avalanche going forward? Well, I think the first question I would like to respond that I'm sure some people here would like to hear. Where the fuck does this API come from? APY. <laughs> <laughs> like everybody's like, oh, how is possible? Oh, the fuck. Uh, but it's printing, so I'm staying. <laughs> you know? Yeah, is it, it a Ponzi? Is it a Ponzi? Uh, yeah, well, 
Uh, I guess. It depends. <laughs> it depends on your perspective. And there he is laughing about uh, being, being a Ponzi. Depending Ponzi, on your perspective. Right? Yeah. yeah. We all love so the Ponzi. The idea here and why the APY has sustained so high in comparison to Olympus is all based on the mechanics. It's very simple. We don't really decide how the API is going to be. The way that when you bond, which is a term I don't really like that much, but it's... Okay, and so he's talking about the bonding mechanisms and all that stuff. Um, I want to get to the part where he talks about it eventually being an in-game currency built on Avalanche. I think uh, it's nothing too complex. That's why, in a way, works. And, uh, and uh, it has been fantastic to see it in action on Avalanche because it's very cheap and simple to use. And uh, everyone can really participate and do very quick, like uh, collect, for example, collect your time, stick sure. it right away. Something that you can't really do on Ethereum because it's super expensive. Just by, you need to kind of time it out when you buy. That's why the size of bonds, this is an important Matters. metric. The size of bonds on Olympus, on ETH, are much larger than the bonds on Wonderland, on Avalanche. Because of this reason, you need to consider the gas fees every time you bond and you put it on staking in uh, SOM, right? So, what is the future of Wonderland? I don't, everybody know, I don't like to copy things. Like, that's not my thing. Like, I like to make things that are new and unique. So, my idea was that the concept of Olympus is a great way to distribute a token, like a mega ICO, I would say. I, I, I look at it in this way. So you, you actually distribute the tokens to the people that are actually the strongest hands. So the ones that believe the most in the vision, in the projects, etc., etc., over a very long extended period of time. At the same time, while you are distributing, you are actually doing a real ICO in some way because you are selling these bonds constantly and the treasury of the DAO is becoming larger and larger. So the, the team tokens or the treasury tokens become the LP and all the things that you have been bonding over time. Then what, the, what is very interesting is how can we combine this way of distributing this wealth over time with utility of the base layer of the token, so the utility of time. And my, my opinion is that time and, and Wonderland should become the base currency of multiple games. Multiple, the first will be an RPG that we are developing, but we should open it up for more projects to enable this new ecosystem to thrive on top of Avalanche because it's a great chain for gaming, in my opinion. Like Okay, so I'm not going to go in any further there. You can watch this video. I will link it in the video description. But there he is. He wants to. He, the end game of all this was to to use that protocol on liquidity to be able to make it an end game currency. And and so yeah, I don't think that he has all these. You know, like this article just basically only highlights the part where he's talking about. It says, yeah, I guess it's the Ponzi. But he does make a good point. While it may seem funny at the time, there was nothing in his answer worth celebrating. As a public person, Danny Sesta was supposed to be a bit brighter, right? A Ponzi scheme is a form of fraud that lures investors and pays profits to earlier investors with funds from more recent investors. Um, read the definition, definition given by SEC again. Fraud. Remember that word, for it will appear again near the end of the article. If the re earlier red flags weren't enough, um, this one... 
uh, had to make a difference. Apparently not. Um, so uh, let's see here. Um, now the shows the token price down all below starting prices here. Um, so uh, here's where it gets dark. Um, the, the main reason people are probably reading this article. So on January 27th, 2022, all hell broke loose when the true identity of Danny's partner and Wonderland's treasury manager, Zero X Sifu, was revealed to be Michael Patron, the co-founder of a notorious Canadian crypto exchange that defrauded investors of $190 million. Uh, some sources say 160, uh, 60, some sources say 240 million, but it's a lot of money. Uh, and that's the whole thing with Quadriga Exchange that I was talking about. And that's Michael Patron right there under a couple of different identities. He's been Omar Dahani. He's been um, uh, Michael Patron. And now he's 0x Sifu. Um, so, yeah, he's been Omar Patron as well. So uh, Michael Patron co-founded defunct Canadian crypto exchange Quadriga CX with the late Gerald Cotton, um, but three years later took over disagreements about the company's plans to go public. The exchange collapsed in 2019 with $169 million of investor funds lost. Michael Patron's police record, record speaks for itself. So here's Zero X Sifu, partnered with Daniel Sesta. He uh, served time in the U.S. for his role for an identity theft ring. He changed his name twice from Omar Dahani to Omar Patron and then to Michael Patron. Uh, in the U.S., he's charged with several crimes, including conspiracy to commit credit and bank card fraud. And then Patron confessed to numerous unrelated crimes that included burglary, grand larceny, and computer fraud in 2007. He served 18 months in prison for some of his criminal cases and was deported to Canada. So this is a... The, the first of Zero X Sifu being identified as Michael Patron came out by a self-proclaimed crypto detective, Zach's, Zach XBT.eth. And uh, he has a series of tweets here. And then here's a point number one. This needs to be shared. Zero X Sifu is the co-founder of Quadriga CX Michael Patron. If you're unfamiliar, that is a Canadian exchange that collapsed in 2019 after the founder, Gerald Cotton, disappeared with $169 million. I've confirmed this with uh, Danielle over messages. So here's Zach XBT uh, texting with or uh, messaging, I guess, on Telegram or, or Discord or something or Twitter with with um, oh, it's Twitter at looks like with Danielle. Uh, Zach says, I came across something rather, uh, rather, rather odd about that. Um, and, and Danny says about Dubai. And he says about Sifu. And then Danny says, oh, what about Sifu? Oh, oh, sheet. What's up? Well, he's the Quadriga guy. And then uh, Danny says, I cannot confirm, but I've thought about this a lot. And then Zach says, dangerous to be working with, sir. Uh, and then uh, um, Zach says, um, yes. Okay. So here's another uh, message thread. And, uh, <clears throat> um, let's see here. Um, uh, Danny says, but yeah, is a problem in the PR at the point, Alex, my partner told me, and they, Danny says, how are you going to manage this if it comes out? Uh, and they says, I don't have an answer. And then, um, uh, Zach says, I can count on a single hand how many people know. And then Danny says, we started this together without knowing. It's interesting, you know. I thought he was more careful. And then Zach says, I have my ways. 
And then here's a tweet number two. Prior to Quadriga, Michael helped run an identity theft ring called Shadow Crew, in which he later pled guilty. While Danny insists it's fine, he puts his both his reputation on the line, along with, most importantly, with all the money people have deposited in his protocols at risk. So um, Danny says, uh, I feel I don't know what to do, though. I feel he's a good man. Spent a lot of time with him recently. Do you think I should just get him slowly out? But yes, is my highest risk to my reputation? That's what my PR security manager told me. And uh, uh, Zach says, you're put you're willing to put your entire reputation on the line and also at risk uh, everyone's money. And then Danny says, no, I'm not. And then uh, Zach says, well, that's what you're doing. So, yeah, you know, it's not that. You know, he, he built this and established his trust. The guy, Michael Patron, may have become a good person and all this stuff. And that's the problem. It's the whole idea about forgiveness and, you know, the whole thing about can people change or or, the, or once you a rotten egg, you're always a rotten egg. I, I don't know. That's not really my judgment call. I like to, to err on the side of being optimistic and giving people chances, you know. And if I get burned, then it's on me. I might be disappointed. But at least I tried, you know rather than being a judgmental a-hole. Um, so I think that Danny's caught in this thing, but the problem is, is he has a bunch of people's money on the line. Um, so uh, then they they show proof of the wallet owner establishment. Um, and then Danny confirmed the story to be true in a series of tweets. He says, one, today's allegation about our Team Zero X Sifu will circulate. I want everyone to know that I was aware of this and decided that the past of an individual doesn't determine their future. I choose to value the time we spent together without knowing his past more than anything. And then number two tweet, many people in the world are judged by their early mistakes. This comes prevalent to the, into the life of ex-inmates that can't get access to financial services after being felons. And that is a really good point about the whole military industrial prison complex and about people with a record not being able to do anything. You know, like I've gotten arrested for having a joint, you know, and stuff like that. And I wasn't able to get a job um, several years ago because of the whole a long time ago, I was like 15, 20 years years ago it's about 20 years ago where i couldn't get a job uh because uh, i got arrested for having a joint in my car you know so it, it just goes to show like it's it, that's just a joint you can imagine somebody who's a prisoner you know and so um who's a felon and stuff like that trying to get out and do better with their lives but then they they get swept back in because their only way to be able to make it and live is to do crime again because nobody will accept them because of their past but anyway Point number three in the tweet, one of the reasons why blockchain technology and DeFi is so powerful is that no one has biased about your past. I have no bias about Zero X Sifu. He's become a friend and part of my family. And if my reputation of judgment will be hit by his docs, then be it. And so be it. All frogs for me are equal. That's kind of cool, too. And then number four, as I fight for him, I will fight for anyone else that has proven to be a good actor despite the past. I keep looking forward into the future rather than crystallize the past. I hope you do it, too. You know what? So, so to me, Daniel Sesta seems like the kind of guy that I like, you know, um, he's my kind of guy. Um, he doesn't, you know, he, he takes people at face value for who they are at that day. And if they end up disappointing them from that point on in the future, then that's, you know, a disappointment on it, but he doesn't judge people on their past. So I think that's pretty cool. And so anyway, this author says, now the evidence is laid out. We'll provide commentary in the situation. But let us ask one question. Are Danny's comments about fraud Ponzi still funny, like as in the video? 
Okay, sure. Yeah, probably not funny if you've had your money in any of the projects. On the other hand, his comments are probably hilarious if you don't. But there's one thing here that cannot be overstated. Danny knew about it. He knew about it and he decided to do nothing. If the whole case didn't surface, Danny would never acknowledge the true identity of his partner. This thing has nothing to do with Danny do with Danny being a good guy and providing an ex-convict with a second chance. Michael Patron is not some petty thief who messed up once and now needs a second chance. Michael Patron is a professional criminal, highly skilled computer user and unlikely an extremely intelligent person with zero morals. He's also extremely rich. So anyway, to summarize, if Danny didn't know about it, then he's uninformed and therefore unfit to manage a multi-million dollar corporation. That's the author saying this. And then number two, if Danny knew about it but decided to do nothing, then he has no morals and therefore cannot be trusted to run a multi-million dollar corporation. So the verdict of this article and this author is saying that Danny uh, Sesta is not fit to run these three protocols. Anyway, so they had Dow votes and about the, the fate of Wonderland.money. This is the beauty of a Dow, okay? Is you know a lot of times Dow governance is probably the last thing uh, that people actually participate in and DAOs and the voting and all that stuff. Even though they should, if you join a DAO, it's partly your responsibility to participate in the governance on things and to vote on things. Uh, but uh, um, uh, a lot of people don't. And prior to this, uh, only a handful of voters are coming out on certain issues. But they um, they ran a DAO vote to decide the fate and. And um, 22,000 people showed up to decide the fate of Wonderland.money. That's more than I've ever seen on any DAO protocol. So over 22,000 votes were cast, representing the largest turnout in the protocol's history. Um, so the, the results show a slim majority that wish to continue with the Wonderland experiment. 55% said, no, we're not going to dissolve this. We're going to carry on, my wayward son. You know, <laughs> carry on my wayward son. You know, if you know that song. That's an old song. But anyway, um, <clears throat> prior to the conclusion of the vote regarding dissolution, a new proposal outlining Wonderland 2.0 was posted on Medium. So the community wants to continue, the majority of it. And it turns out that the the 44% um, that said, yes, dissolve it, were pretty much whales. Uh, so a lot of people, a lot of these whales were buying the token to vote on this so they could uh, make a quick profit. Um, so they were taking a snapshot of January 29th of Wonderland at this specific point. And then if they were to dissolve it, those people, those whales would stand to make a healthy profit. So it turns out, and that's the amazing thing about DAOs, it turns out that the community and that the majority of those people outvoted the whales who held a lot of weight in the voting. So um, yeah. So um, it looks similar to a corporate raid in traditional finance in which investors buy a controlling interest in a business purely to liquidate its assets. I've never heard of that, but it sounds pretty crazy. It's Carl Icahn's asset stripping of Transworld Airlines in the 1980s is the prime example. So I'll, I'll look into that at some point. Uh, in response to these concerns, SESTA posted that no further action would be taken without consulting the community, acknowledging that communication has been sporadic, confusing, and imprecise. Uh, I did watch a video, kind of a behind the scenes look 
And, you know, there's a lot of pressure on Danielle Sesta. Uh, let's see where this time code is 18. Okay. So, so back here, it shows Danielle Sesta sitting there chatting with the community in discord. And he's basically going off the hook. He sounds drunk. I mean, he probably had an entire of Jack Daniels in his system. And it's a lot of pressure, you know, um, you know, it's just like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, yeah. Fighting with the members of the community and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, you know, Oh, he's Italian. So he Maybe it was pastis, you know, but, uh, <laughs> but either way, um, over here, he finally, I guess the next morning jumped back on and he said, I wanted to say that I'm very proud to see the community fight back against squirrels proposal to destroy everything that we worked so hard to build. The expected payout would be 30 K and everyone who held more than for the, just a few days will be wrecked. Um, I was voted out. So I find someone else's work to do his ass. Uh, off to turn the price around and we w don't let all frogs get roasted so that a few whales can profit. Um, I urge everyone to please think about this very carefully. So anyway, back to this other article over here. Um, he basically is kind of unilaterally taking control of the Dow right now to figure out the, the next, the next course of actions. Um, and, uh, you know, at first he wanted to dissolve it, and then these whales were going to come in and take a profit and basically rug pull everybody else who had been longtime holders and everything like that. So I think they're probably going to go the way of uh, Wonderland 2.0. I'm personally going to hold my time tokens and my uh, abracadabra money uh, tokens, my spell tokens, um, because I want to see what's what's going to happen. You know, it's like a hail mary for me, and if this this goes down into gutter the valley of the shadow of death and comes out like a phoenix of rising up it could be a really cool thing to hold and to just be like you know i don't have enough in there to like make me like break me or make me you know not be able to pay my bills but uh, it's it, it, it's enough that where if this comes to the other side and to the light, then it it, it should um be really well uh, do really well so anyway so yeah um, despite the projects founder actively choosing to work with a convicted felon on Monday, a vote to end Wonderland's operation and disperse treasury to investors failed to pass a sign that either token holders still have faith in Sestigali's ability to turn things around or they reluctantly, uh, or they're reluctant to book their losses. The failed vote was controversial from the outset and the, and, uh, depending on particular and the particular DAO, the outcome of votes may programmatically and automatically prompt actions on chain, altering the code for a protocol. Uh, so DAOs, depending on what kind of DAO it is, uh, the results could automatically trigger um, some kind of action. This one didn't. So in Wonderland's case, the protocol's rarely invoked DAO has hosted a total of just eight votes, and the, the outcome of votes are merely signals of the community's desires. So anyway, so the, previously it's been eight votes, but now it was 22,000 addresses voting. Um, the vote on Monday, the vote concluded with 55% of the token weight in favor of the project carrying on with over 22,000 addresses voting as perhaps the most active governance proposal in history, uh, with the vast majority of individuals voting to continue the project, outpacing a smaller number of whales who control large sums of tokens, voting to seize operations because they would stand to make a profit. Sestigeli in turn backtracked on unilaterally closing shop, writing in Discord that the team was taking time to compile suggestions and determine the 
best path forward. We understand that there's still the will to continue and the community wants to make it. Unwinding for many of you means taking a loss and you don't know what to do next. You believe in me and you wanted to invest in me, he wrote. He added that the protocol was looking to hire a communications team and the DAO would be managed now by me directly in the future. That's what Danny Sesta says. So while it might seem absurd to outsiders that the majority of voters would vote to continue, in the Discord, multiple users are expressing support for carrying the project on, either supporting Danny's vision or saying that due to their losses on time, they're in effect trapped. Kind of like me, you know. Um, and, but either way, I do kind of like Danny, man. Uh, in the absence of any uh, law enforcement or regulatory authorities, the experiment now appears to move forward because they were worried about law enforcement and him being in partnership with Zero X Sifu, a.k.a. Michael Patron. But that's not going to happen. So looks like they're going to carry it forward. In an interview with Coindesk, Sestagalli said he's not worried about whether Patron's former involvement in the structure of the Wonderland Fund can prompt regulatory action. Um, it should worry everyone because most DeFi is like this. He says, I can worry or I can find solutions. Again, he's pragmatic. I like that. Action-oriented. Um, at least in theory, what happens next is up to the DAO. And there are a lot of options being discussed. Prior to Patchen's reveal last week, the team for Abracadabra and affiliated asset-backed stablecoin protocol proposed acquiring Wonderland's treasury. Uh, similar to the XDAI Gnosis merger or the Rary Capital and Fay merger, this would include a token swap that would allow users to exchange time for uh, Abracadabra's spell, hypothetically allowing time holders upside in the joint venture, a key goal in the proposal. Um, so... Yeah. So while Abracadabra is revenue generating, its MIM stablecoin is among the popular, most popular in DeFi. Um, MIM briefly lost its peg last week amid all this drama, uh, but it's back. It's back. And efforts from the protocol to bribe its way onto the Aave lending platform may now be at risk. So anyway, they go on and uh, basically the article ends. Uh, but I don't know, man. Uh, he just says, I need to slow down and listen to the community. Um, interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. Uh, like I said, I'm holding on to my Wonderland time tokens and my spell tokens, and I'm going to let it play out and kind of hail Mary this and see what's going on. Um, but yeah, overall, interesting stuff. I love this type of, um, yeah, I'm going to listen to these podcasts, the Exit Scam podcasts. Uh, I'm linking an article about Gerald Cotton. I'll probably do an entire episode on Gerald Cotton. And, uh, you know, it's just he was in Vanity Fair magazine, an entire article right here that I'll link. Um, there's a lot of stuff. And I'll, I will. I'll do an entire episode about Gerald Cotton and this whole uh, scheme and the exit scam. You know, Ponzi schemes, private yachts and missing two hundred and fifty million dollars in crypto. The strange case, a strange tale of Quadriga. So, yeah, that's that. Anyway, you guys have a good day. Sorry I was late broadcasting today. It was just, you know, it's been tough getting this episode out because of various things. Uh, the streets are frozen right now. So, you know, they can't go anywhere anyway. All right. I'll talk to you guys later. Thank you for making it to the end of this program. If you actually like this content, give a thumbs up. And if you want to hear more, just hit the subscribe button. I'm available on YouTube, Odyssey, and BitChute, and on all the major podcasting platforms in audio version. Spotify specifically, if you would like to follow and leave a review, that would help a lot. I am also available on Twitter at EurekaJohn1, that's E-U-R-E-K-A John, J-O-H-N, and the number one. My DMs are always open. Feel free to shoot me a message. If you would like to donate some stablecoin or Ethereum, 
please feel free to send it to eurekajohn.crypto or eurekajohn.eth. This will help with the gas costs for all these protocols that I mess around with. Because that gas adds up and I ain't rich. Yet. Thanks again. Thanks again.